Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will be following the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Landers, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is created by Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. It's October. For much of October we can play at autumn. We get golden sunlight tapestry-like hillsides, morning mists, all without any great drop in temperature, a gentle slide into everything good about autumn. We light the fire because we can, because it's October, not because we're so cold that we have to. The countryside is ravishing and ripening before our eyes, every hedgerow glistening with lipstick-red hips and purple elderberries, hazelnuts and walnuts, and glossy sweet chestnuts in their hedgehog casings, every tree a different shade. The year's spiders are now fully grown and are suddenly everywhere, stretching their webs over hedges and across the garden path, the fine strands breaking across your face each morning. We'll gather in nuts and logs and final crops, because towards the end of the month, things start to feel more serious. Frosts arrive, and the clocks go back and we remember what all this ripening is about. The Anglo-Saxons called this month Winterfilleth, a word composed of winter and full moon, and they thought that winter began on October's full moon, which falls this year on the 9th. Prematurely pessimistic, perhaps, but night and cold are slowly becoming dominant. The Oak Tree in October By October, autumn has really begun and our oak tree must make the most of diminishing warmth and light to prepare for the winter ahead. Oak leaves are always late to turn, but by the end of this month they should be taking on a chestnut-brown hue and undergoing an annual process known as abscission. Abscission is when the tree, responding to the shortening days, begins to withdraw the supply of nutrients to its leaves, causing them to dry out and eventually fall. The tree puts up a barrier of cells between the leaf stem and the tree branch. This is called the abscission layer, and while it kills the leaf, it also protects the tree once the leaf has fallen. This might sound a little cruel, but trees lose a great deal of water through their leaves and use lots of energy to keep these fragile organs green and lively. These are losses the oak will not be able to afford during the winter. The tree also withdraws the green pigment, chlorophyll, from its leaves to be broken down and reused. So a wonderful side effect of this event is that we discover what colour the leaves are under all that green. By the end of October, the trees will be a riot of reds, browns, yellows and oranges, a flame-like feast for the eyes as we move into the darker season. Bird of the Month, House Sparrow. 
Incessant is the best way to describe the noise a group of sparrows makes. If you are lucky enough to have them in your garden or nesting in your eaves, you will know that they come as a gang and they can be riotously noisy all year round. The song is not musical in the slightest, an endless cheeping and chirping as if they have way too much to say to each other. It is a joyous racket made by these stout, confident, cheeky little birds. How sparrows love to be around humans, and so they are found wherever we are found. They are opportunistic feeders that do well off of our scraps and waste, and of course from our bird feeders too. But they also make their colonies of nests in the eaves of older houses. So comfortable are they in large cities that they have become synonymous with London. My old cock sparrow, my old cocker, my old cock, referring to a male sparrow, being a cockney phrase of endearment, usually referring to a quick and confident young man. Despite all of this, sparrows saw a massive decline of 71% between 1977 and 2008, perhaps due to the loss of gardens to paving and the smartening up and conversion of so many roof spaces. Figures have recently shown signs of a rallying, but sparrows definitely need support. Give them food and water throughout winter, and try to resist ripping out old hedges or adding plastic fascias to roofs. Sparrows have rounded, stout bodies and chunky, triangular beaks. Males have strong markings in black, brown and grey, with a grey head and a black eye stripe and black and brown wing feathers. Females are less strongly marked, with a soft brown head and grey underside, and finer, softer brown and black wing feathers. Inside the beehive in October. Just as all sources of nectar for the bees are drying up, ivy comes to the rescue, coming into copious flower in October. It is covered in bees and wasps, seeking out the last of summer's sweetness and sustenance. A hive near ivy may find enough food to spur the queen into laying a final brood of eggs to be raised by the colony. These new young winter bees will live for six months and carry the colony into next spring. The beekeeper will heft the hive around now to see if it contains enough honey to see the hive through winter. The bees will have the honey in the brood box to overwinter on, and the beekeeper may leave one or two supers, boxes of frames, full of honey as well. However, some beekeepers prefer to keep all the bees in a smaller area to help them stay warm through the cold winter nights and to top up through winter with sugar water should the honey run low. In season this month, in the hedgerows, woods and fields, chickweed, hairy bittercress, dandelion leaves, sow thistle, wintercress, sorrel, bullis, crabapple, Elderberry, haws, juniper berries, rose hips, rowan berries, sloes, hazelnuts, sweet chestnuts, walnuts, wild damsons, seps, chanterelles, field mushrooms, horse mushrooms, common puffballs, parasols, shaggy ink caps, Alexander roots, dandelion roots, horseradish roots, Jerusalem artichokes, lovage, rampion, and wild garlic roots. From the seashore and rivers, black bream, herring, lobster, Mackerel, turbot, eels, oysters, hake, 
lemon sole, sardines, sea buckthorn. From the kitchen garden, aubergines, chilies, sweet peppers, beetroot, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, carrots, cauliflower, celeriac, celery, chard, chicory, endive, fennel, garlic, Jerusalem artichokes, kale, leeks, lettuce, onions, spring onions, oriental leaves, parsnips, potatoes, salsify, scorzonera, spinach, swede, tomatoes, turnips, medlars, quince, apples and pears, rosemary, sage, parsley, coriander and chervil, and traditional imports, truffles and vacheran montdor. Dark Gatherings For thousands of years, people have gathered together at the end of October to mark the transition from the light months to the dark. This festival is now known by its Christian name, Halloween, but it was once called Samhain. Samhain was one of the four Celtic fire festivals that marked seasonal changes each year, the other three being Imolk, Beltane and Lunasa. Samhain has long been observed by people coming together in the gathering dark. The last night of October is thought to be a time at which the boundaries between the worlds of the living and the dead become thin. We carry this on today by dressing up in costumes, pursuing an older tradition of performance that was meant to ward off evil spirits and commune with our ancestors. To mark Samhain, Fern has partnered with Boss Morris, an all-women's side of Cotswold Morris dancers to create a short film. You can watch this on Samhain Eve, the 31st of October. Boss Morris are part of a new movement in folk dance, a step away from the white costumes and coloured ribbons we associate with springtime. Theirs is a wilder style, featuring dark costumes, bright makeup and elaborate headdresses, a Morris for the 21st century. This movement in folk dance seems to respond to something in the national mood, harking back to a more nature-led time. It seems to tap into something primal inside us, a need for modern folk traditions. Perhaps Boss Morris will inspire you to begin a dance of your own. Soul Cakes These are old English traditional cakes. On All Hallows' Eve, all Saints' Day and All Souls' Day, children went souling, singing for soul cakes from house to house, very likely a precursor to trick-or-treating. We have put the recipe in the episode notes. Makes 12 to 15 cakes. Ingredients 175 grams of butter 175 grams of caster sugar 3 egg yolks 450 grams of self-raising flour, plus extra for dusting. Two teaspoons of mixed spice, a few gratings of nutmeg, about 100 millilitres of milk, 100 grams of currants, plus a handful more to decorate. Method. Preheat the oven to 190 degrees Celsius, gas mark 5. Cream the butter with the sugar until it is light and fluffy and then beat in the egg yolks, one at a time. In a separate bowl, sieve the flour and the spices together and add to the butter mixture, 
along with the currants, reserving some for decoration. Mix all together with a wooden spoon and then add the milk and go in with your hands to pull everything together into a dough. On a lightly floured surface, roll out the dough to a thickness of around one centimetre and cut out rounds with a biscuit cutter. Make a slight cross indent on the top of each with a palette knife and then push currants along it. Place the rounds on baking parchment on a baking tray and bake for 10 to 15 minutes or until golden. Allow to cool on a rack before eating. Look out for mushrooms. With autumn rains come autumn mushrooms. Mushrooms are the tip of the fungal iceberg. Below the ground, the fungus will comprise an often vast network of mycelium, strands of fungus that absorb nutrients and moisture from the ground, sustaining it all year round. The fungus exists almost entirely out of sight for most of the year, but autumn rains signal that it is time to fruit and to spread its spores. The mushroom we see is the fruiting body, which will emit microscopic spores that can spread on the wind, alight elsewhere and create new fungal life. The full moon this month falls on the 9th of October. Two old names for October's full moon are the hunter's moon or blood moon. Deer and livestock have fattened up over the summer making October the time to hunt, slaughter and stock up on meat for the winter. The combination of the leaves starting to fall from the trees and the bright light of a full moon would have made for a particularly excellent hunting night. The sky at night. This month we start to see more of the winter constellations of Orion the Hunter and the Great Dog which will both be high in the sky by the early hours of the morning. They will gradually creep around to the evening hours to keep us company all winter long. Jupiter is still bright and high in the sky, and Mars is increasing in brightness. There will be a partial solar eclipse on the 25th, a not particularly spectacular one, with just over 15% coverage, but interesting if you can find a safe way of viewing. Do not be tempted to look directly at it. You won't see anything and will damage your eyes. It is much better to make a pinhole camera, literally just a hole in a piece of card, and stand with your back to the sun, projecting the pin of light onto a piece of paper. Move the card backwards and forwards to bring it into focus and make a sharply outlined circle. This is the sun. You will then see the shadow of the moon gradually moving across it and away. It is fun to do this with a colander and see 50-odd suns being partially eclipsed by 50-odd moons. On the night of the 8th to the 9th, there will be a conjunction of Jupiter and the moon. They will rise together at around 7pm in the east, will reach their maximum altitude at around 2am, before setting in the west at around 5.30am on the 9th. During the course of October, day length decreases by 2 hours and 24 minutes to 9 hours and 8 minutes in Inverness and by 1 hour and 50 minutes to 9 hours and 49 minutes in Padstow. Average sea temperatures this month in Orkney, 
12 degrees Celsius. Penzance, 14.8 degrees Celsius. Ritual for October This month's ritual references an old Derbyshire custom that was performed on Halloween night. Farmers would carry a candle down into the garden and the way the wind blew the flame would be the prevailing wind for the next three months. Our ritual also features a candle and is best performed alone. You will need a candle, one you can hold safely, and matches or a lighter. On Halloween night, carry the unlit candle into your garden or to a special place outdoors. The darker you can make it, the better. If you have someone with you, stay apart from them if you can. Hold the unlit candle before you in the dark. Touch the wax. Feel it warming beneath your hand. Feel the night around you. Feel the cold. Invest your candle with a hope for the months ahead. Something you want to achieve, perhaps, or someone you want to get to know better. Maybe there is somewhere you want to visit. You could even make this into a love ritual, harking back to the tradition of love-telling on Halloween. Feel your hope move into the candle. Imagine it travelling up the wick, creating fuel for your flame. Light your candle and watch your hope catch fire. This will be your light to ward off winter dark, your hope incarnate. Feel the glow of it nestle inside you as the candle burns down. As the wind blows the flame, making it flicker, set your prevailing wind for the next few months. It is up to you what you do with your flame, but don't blow it out at once. Carry it back inside and put it on your Halloween table. Stick it in a flower pot and enjoy a hot drink in its friendly glow. You may even wish to light a Halloween bonfire with your candle, sharing your hope with friends and family. My book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2023, is now available in all good bookshops. It is illustrated with delicate, odd artwork by Willie Chen, and themed around the solar system and zodiac, guiding you through an exciting year in the night sky. Each month I look inside the garden pond, discover a bun of the month, and track tide times, sunrises and sets, and moon phases. Please consider purchasing the almanac from your local independent bookshop, which will need many books sold to pay the bills this winter. In the Fern Studio This month in Fern's Somerset Studio the team is enjoying a little lull following the release of their Autumn 22 fragrance while Winter 23 has a rest in its maceration period. These weeks following a solstice or equinox are always a special time as Ledger members share their responses to the fragrance the culmination of months of hard work. This season's fern artist is Neka Ozoigui, who has created a surreal oil painting depicting three of the fragrance's ingredients, black tea, grapefruit and clove bud, in a fresh, sparkling configuration. She says the fragrance smells like something you would pack to take on a special adventure. 
To see the painting and a film detailing Necker's artistic progress, visit Fern's website or social media channels. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2022, also available as an audiobook. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.